With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, Kulays. Welcome to Barca Talk. I'm your host, Gabriel Quiroga, here in the Spanish capital. In today's show, we do a quick review of the Atletico match uh, from Saturday night. Today's guest is Ewan McTeer. Man, we <laughs> I don't know what happened today. We had so many recording issues. There was basically a, an internet fallout here in Spain, and WhatsApp crashed, and we could not get it to work. So I apologize. I'm going to try my best to get the best out of it. Ewan was great. He had some really great insight. Uh, he covers La Liga, and you know wanted to get his opinion about the match from Sunday, Saturday night. And also just kind of what Kuman can do going forward to make some changes to try to get some consistency. But again, before we get to that part, I want to discuss a little bit about Juan Laporta and his presidency so far. You know, I was taking a walk this morning and I was listening to some other podcasts about football, as I always do in the morning. It's always great on Monday morning. My podcast uh, library gets filled up with football. And so I love to listen. I'm a power podcast user. 1.5 1.5 speed. Appreciate it. And yes, I took a walk this morning. I was listening and, you know, I was thinking about Laporta's presidency so far. What do you think? How do you how do you judge this so far? It's one of those things where I think about it and I'm just disappointed really right now because one of the things uh, that I've been kind of just seeing with this trend of Laporta is I feel like there isn't a clear, true plan. It feels as though... Every week, every day, there's something happening with Barcelona. Now, I don't know if Laporta is 100% guilty of leaking all the information to the media, but man, it is a sieve that goes on with FC Barcelona and the media. And every day, there's just something new. There's something new. And, you know, especially after every match, is Kuman going to get fired? Laporta meets with his board in a secret meeting till like 3 o'clock in the morning, and you don't know if Kuman's going to get fired or not, and then Twitter goes ablaze with rumors, and it repeats itself. And again, I was a little bit apprehensive with Laporta coming back for a second term. Now, take away his first presidency of what he did for Barcelona was great and so forth, but now this is a new era in football. And what I have seen so far is really kind of a lack of a true plan. And again, just think about the things that he promised, right? He promised Messi, false he promised a better coach false he promised to go back to winning ways false and these were the things that he wrote his campaign on especially on the messy thing i want to see a little bit more transparency i wanted to see the plan i want to see the plan like what are we doing 
what are you going to do? We're kind of past the point of no return right now with Kuman. I mean, I, I believe if we've gone this far already that Kuman's going to stay. Hour by hour, Kuman is just sitting there. You know, this week after international break, it's just going to be more rumors, more buzz about who's the coach going to be of Barcelona. I don't know who's the coach going to be of Barcelona. I really wish it's, there was a replacement. I really wish there was a replacement in the summer to give the full summer, but that's not going to happen. You know I'm a person of timeline and resolutions, and I just want to see something being done outside the box. Those are my ideas, right? When I look at Barcelona right now, I'm trying to figure out different things. As I've mentioned in the in previous podcast, the most difficult thing right now is when your team is average and you have a couple superstars and you have aging players and you do not have a high-end coach. There's just too many variables. And so everyone wants to tinker with everything. And I just feel that Kuman is just not tinkering enough, right? As I talk with U and I, I talk about the three-back system and in my head, Kuman says, the reason why I want to be more defensive, I use a three-back system. I mean, what? I mean, in all my playing of football and so forth, if I want a more defensive posture, I'm going to either go five-back or four-back, right, to make the area of defending less as opposed to more. And especially when you do not have speed up the middle, I just feel that Kuman continually exposes the defense. And again, this trend of early goals, it's, to me, it's just... It's baffling how Kuman does not make these adjustments. And that's really when it comes down to just really simple coaching. Putting your players in the best position, communicating those ideas, those strategies to the players, and more importantly, just getting results, right? Just figuring things out. Is there any improvement from the beginning of the season to now? I would say no. I would say it's continually inconsistent, and players don't know if they're going to start or not. Now, I was talking with you, and he was saying that one of the things he thinks and believes is that there isn't consistencies because the partnership isn't there. Yeah, I believe that too. I believe that's definitely one of the things. But again, I think it's just coaching. You know, when if you, you know, there's rumors coming out of out of here in Spain, it's just the amount of time that Barcelona spends on, on training ground is pretty limited. And I think, you know, I'm not a person to say you should spend eight hours, but, you know, if we're only doing two hours, what's two and a half or three, you know? Uh, the team isn't physical enough. We need to work on physicality. We need to work on maybe just more running, you know, different variables. You know, again, I'm just trying to improve the team. I want to maximize everything we can with the amount of resources that we have available. Anyway, we're going to see what happens this week. Kuman has given the players five days off. So <laughs> this week is going to be a buzz of coaching rumors, especially since Kuman is not going to be at the facility and Laporta is. And again, Laporta, I want to see a plan. Make a plan. Say, Kuman is going to stay for three months, the rest of the year, and punto. And that's it. Then we go forward with that. Again, show me something. You know, Victor Font, that's why I was more of a Victor Font person, because I felt like he had a real tactical plan of how to fix Barcelona and how to attack these problems. And where I see Laporta is just, again, another politician making promises he can't keep. Some Barca Talk announcements. I'm headed to Barcelona next week, and I'm really excited. I'm going to be there for the Valencia game. We're going to do a Barca Talk Cafe live recording at the Barca Cafe. Figure that out. Uh, I'm going to be joined with Mariana and some other people. Should be a lot of fun. You can listen to that recording by, guess what? Becoming a patron. It's only five bucks a month. You get access to our WhatsApp group, which is a lot of fun. You know, if you're, again, 
having Twitter and having Discord and all these things is great. But what I find with WhatsApp compared to Discord is you get immediate feedback. And I love that during the match that you're able to talk in our group and get immediate feedback on anything. And also, like I always say, whenever you want to talk Barca, someone is always available because of the time zone difference. So I think that's really the, one of the biggest uh, differences between a Discord chat and our WhatsApp group is I, I feel like there's always someone ready to reply immediately and to give you that feedback. The other thing, if you're looking for an aggregator, sign up for a newsletter. It's quite simple. Just go to our website or my Twitter page and we publish one every Wednesday. I get the videos, tweets, etc. in one place. Send it to your inbox. It's free. Done and done. After the break, I speak with Ewan McTeer about Barca's defeat at the Wanda. You've been in Spain for about four years or so, and then you wanted to have sunnier climate, so you came here to Spain. Yeah, that's, that's exactly why. Like, like most people <laughs> who moved, I think, from, from Scotland to, to abroad, that's one of the main reasons. So let me ask you this, because I heard you over the weekend on the Managing Madrid podcast, and are you covering just the big clubs here in, in Spain? Is that basically kind of your forte? Yeah, big clubs, small clubs, all the clubs, just, um, yeah, pretty much all of Spanish football. And, you know, as uh, as things progress, as more and more people get interested, as, you know, companies like ESPN uh, get the rights, you know, there's more and more demand for coverage of what's going on in La Liga in English. So um, if you're based in Madrid here, then, um, yeah, I think perfect, perfectly placed to, to provide some, some extra context. Yeah, we talked last week that you went to the Levante match. I mean, how were you able to to go to any matches this past weekend? With especially now with the one hundred percent of Foro that's happening here in Spain. No, I mean it was cool. I, I watched the Atletico one um, from from the office, and it looked really cool. But no, I didn't get out to to any games this weekend. Um, was going to go to Atafi, but um, in the end didn't, and it was very rainy. So maybe I missed. Uh, <laughs> maybe maybe I got away with one there, but. Um, no, I didn't get to any this weekend, but the 100% capacity is great news for um, yeah, for all the fans. And it's not quite in all of Spain yet. Some communities are still sticking to 60, but Madrid is 100% and uh, it looked great in the Wanda for the game. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So let's let's kind of dive into that. Obviously, this is an FC Barcelona podcast, but I just wanted to get your opinion, especially as a kind of an outsider looking in. And, you know, one of the things I've been noticing this season uh, is the three-back system that Kuman has decided to go to in bigger matches. And it's one of those things that when I first hear three-back system, in my head, you know, with all my time I played football and watching football, I usually think risky as opposed to defensive. And Kuman continually thinks defensive. Why do you think Kuman is going with this three-back system? Is it just plain as simple as that he believes it's the best defensive system for Barcelona going forward against these big teams? Yeah, I think it is quite a strange decision from Koeman to go for this and to only do it in the big games. And, you know, when you when you play a three-back system, it's not necessarily defensive. I think you're right. There is um, no longer that perception that playing, you know, three centre-backs, when you're defending, that means five uh, players in your back line when the wing-backs drop back. I think there's no longer a perception of that being defensive. We've seen teams play that way and play really exciting attacking football. Um, you know, Chelsea, for example, last season... Uh, winning the Champions League, even Atletico Madrid playing with that system. They won the league last year and they didn't necessarily play the same old, very defensive football that we know from Atletico Madrid. So you can play good football with a back three, but you're right. I think Coleman seems to go for it as a way of trying to uh, prevent a, a demolition against the bigger teams. But 
That only works if you have the rest of the team functioning. That only works if the three centre-backs have some sort of chemistry and can work because otherwise you get what we saw in the Atletico Barca game where uh, you have some, some centre-backs there and uh, Atletico could just pick them apart. It was it was far too easy for them to do so. The opening goal, especially, at least in the broadcast I watched, it was and they were showing you on the pitch at that time the sort of lines showing where Barcelona's defence was and it was just three simple passes, draw Felix, Suarez, into Lamar, boom, 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 and you've just unlocked the entire Barcelona defence. So it's not about the numbers, it's about how, how you play, and right now I think any three centre-backs that Barcelona put in there, they just don't look comfortable. Yeah, it's a good point. And the other thing, too, when I think of three-back system, I think of speed, and this season Barcelona is just lacking that, not only up the middle, but on the wings. And I just don't get it because, you know, time and time again, right, it's like insanity, right, doing the same thing over, trying to get the same result. And against Bayern, it didn't work. Against Benfica, it didn't work. And the other thing, too, is these early kind of easy goals that defense of a three-back system with Koeman that's going with. My my kind of suggestion and just kind of looking at it is why does Barca, do you think, continually go with a high defensive line? Do you think that's just obviously, you know, in the past years, that's what they played with? But when you don't have the speed, I mean, I'm just going back to like Sunday football, right? When you don't have the speed, why take the chance of being so daring? Because as you talked about, how easy it was for Atletico to pick them apart on that left flank. No, you're right. And I think that's a good point is, you know, they used to play a high line. And I think that's why they still do. I think it's tradition. It's Barcelona play a high line and you have the centre-backs up there close to Busquets and that's just the way they play. But, you know, they played that way with Piquet when he was, you know, 10 years younger. Um, Piquet is still, you know, a very solid centre-back. He can be very effective, deeper, uh, lower block. He can still, um, you know, lead that back line. He can do so many things and his experience, you see when he's not in the team, they definitely miss him. But one thing he can't do right now is play a, a high back line. And you saw it in this game. It's, you know, you have two of the sort of older guys in La Liga now, Piquet and Suarez, and I haven't watched a lot of Atletico this season. Suarez has probably spent about two-thirds of the season standing in offside positions. He's very rarely been onside this season because he's older and he's slower. Um, but Piquet is as well. And you saw that kind of that race where you're trying not to be ahead of the other one because you're trying to... Well, Piquet is trying to play Suarez offside. Suarez is trying to stay onside. And it was Suarez who had that extra bit of pace compared to Piquet. He doesn't have the, the beaten... Uh, in speed of many centre-backs in La Liga anymore, but he had that against Piquet and, you know, it's not Piquet's fault, he was left exposed there that he's having to, to try to play a high line, to try and keep, uh, you know, players like Suarez um, offside when he himself isn't particularly quick anymore. It's funny you mention that because I really love, on Monday afternoons, it's part of my kind of lunchtime routine watching Goal TV, and I love how they hyper-focus on players, and, and one of the players they focus on was Luis Suarez. And you're right, he was super stagnant, but when he needed to be moving and making the play, he made the play, right? And so, again, it was impressive that he's been able to play these past matches because, again, with his age, as we saw in his last years with Barca, that he was... Uh, more stagnant, but again, he can still bring the goods when you need to for these pivotal type of games. And again, uh, Cholo just getting the best out of him. Really quick on the kind of the last thing with the defense of Barca. One of the other things I've noticed too is just kind of uh, the lack of fundamentals of the defense that I see, especially like on the first goal, kind of the give and go that I think we've all seen growing up in the playground, just kind of anticipating the triangles and so forth. 
from you know from my point of view, I, I'm really hyper focused on this because I just don't see I just don't see any improvement at all, uh, especially this season. Is it just a matter of just more training uh, to get better fundamentally defense, or is it just Kumin is just lacking that and just kind of ignoring that? Maybe not more training, but just more more time together on the pitch, more consistency. I mean, you look at the back lines that Coleman's uh, picked this season, and you started off by mentioning the, the switch to the back three. That doesn't help when you, number one, are changing system. And there were the reports that some of the players didn't know they were going to play the system they used against Benfica until the day of the game. That's not helpful. Um, but it's not helpful to, to chop and change from back four to back three. And it's not helpful for someone like Pique that one game he's playing with Eric Garcia, the next game he's playing him with Araujo. It doesn't help that the full-backs are changing. That's not really anybody's fault. That's injuries in that case. But still, um, for a bit of consistency um, would be good, I think. I think Ruth have the exact same problems in their back line just now. The problem is, it's not the same four players in the same four positions each week. If you have that, you start to build a bit of consistency. That's what Atletico Madrid had all those years. That's what Atletico Madrid still have. They know who the three starting centre-backs in. Uh, in the team are and when one of them comes out comes in instead they also know how to play with him some of the Barcelona players they don't quite look like they know how to play with each other because Eric Garcia just arrived Araujo's still young he had only been there a couple of years anyway and then you've got Pique who's, who's trying to learn the nuances of playing with both of them just pick one of them pick your starting uh, back line this is, this is something you should know from pre-season know your starting back line and go with it and only rotate um, when you have to, because otherwise, uh, players, yeah, they look, they end up looking disorganized, like they don't know how to play with each other. Yeah, and again, there's just you know, I've mentioned this in the podcast before. I think one of the hardest things when you're a follower of a team is when your team has a couple superstar players, and then average talent, average coach. You have too many variables, and so going into this variable is the attack. Now, if you take the Granada game in the you know, if you take the Granada game in the last matches. They've basically not been able to score, you know, against Benfica, against Atletico, against Bayern about these matches. Is it just simply that Ansu is going to save the attack and that's it? Or does Kuman have to do something to unlock it? Because obviously we've seen Luke de Jong. He hasn't been able to convert at a high rate. I mean, he had a sitter against Benfica. You know, everyone is on the, the hate train of Luke de Jong. But I think it's really more than that, especially with Memphis trying to carry all this load. And again, you know, it just goes back to coaching for me. But what what do you see from your point of view? Is there is there a serious problem in attack, especially against higher uh, higher teams of La Liga and Champions League? Yeah, I mean, to answer the first question, yeah, I think Ansu Fati will save the attack. But it would be nice if Coleman finds a way of using them well. Um, but regardless, Ansu Fati is going to make things happen because he is that kind of that kind of special special player. I was there at the Levante game when he's come back and. Honestly, from his time on the pitch, the least impressive thing he did was it was the other touches, you know. Um, I mean, the goal probably could have been saved. Um, it was nice. It was quite a moment when he scored it. But um, what was more impressive was the other three or four times he got on the ball and runs up players, one corners, things like that. So he'll make things happen. Um, he won't get to play Levante every week, that's true. But when you've got Ansu Fati on one side, Memphis Depay on the other and somebody else in the middle, even Brathwaite who's coming back, Aguero, Dembele, there are players coming back. I think you can have a, a decent attack. Right now, Memphis Depay, he can't do it all on his own. He's a bit isolated whenever Barcelona can get the ball to him, uh, especially against those bigger teams where they're not forward in as many numbers, and um, there's not too much he can do. To have at least one sidekick 
in Ansu Fati will be a big step up and he'll get a few sidekicks back because uh, yeah, eventually, sooner or later, those injured players will, will be back and hopefully you can put together some sort of uh, attack in front for you that, that fits together and, like we said with the defence, plays together consistently enough to get to know each other and to, to play well to, to each other's strengths. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, I think all Kool-Aids are just waiting for Ansu to come back and play the full 90 because, as you saw, when he came into the Atletico match, he came in with kind of, you know, no fear and that attitude that I think was kind of lacking uh, for the most part for a lot of the, of the team of, of Barca. Again, I'm still worried about it because also you have a Coutinho problem who, you know, as as we like to always say, he's just fine, right? He's not... He didn't, like, especially in the Atletico match, he didn't do anything to really hurt the team, but he didn't do anything to help the team. Maybe he should have been able to score, but that was still a difficult shot. What does Kuman do with Coutinho? Do you see any kind of long-term? Is it just mainly the formation, or do you see Kuman trying to use Coutinho still as, like, the number 10 in the middle type of thing, especially when Ansu comes back? Yeah, I mean, I think when everyone's available, Coutinho doesn't play in this Barcelona team, doesn't start in this Barcelona team. I should say, but he can play a role off the bench. Maybe he can, uh, you know, rotate in some of the the simpler La Liga games. Although for Barcelona right now, there <laughs> there's maybe no such thing as a simple La Liga game. But I think Coleman is the uh, sorry Coutinho is there as you know maybe the 14, 15, 16, 17th choice uh, in the squad. Not a starter, but will play some significant minutes. And if he can come in and and contribute a bit and not uh, do too much wrong, then then he's still going to be a, a useful player um, if you forget you know, how much he's costing. But um, you have to think some costs at that point. You know, It's not Coleman's problem how much uh, Coutinho cost back in the day. It's not his problem that um, they still owe, um, it's going to come out in the audit this week, that they still owe €13 million Euros to Liverpool for that transfer. That's none of Coleman's problem. He just has to think about his best players that he has available. Coutinho comes into the rotation a bit, but I don't think he can be a starter. He's certainly not someone you you build an entire midfield around oh man just so much money that we owe everyone you know it's Mm -hmm. just kind (laughs) of so you know this is one of the other things that's going with kuman right is that you know he's trying to use some la masia players some young players to try to get some goodwill with the fan base and so forth but again it's this kind of you're stuck in the middle right because if you're not getting the results people are upset uh, if you use the la masia players and they're not coming through then what do you do do you think that i mean if you let's say you were kuman would you lean heavily more into la masia players or would you kind of go for results because you know it's kind of one of those things that as a fan right now one of the things that really excites me to watch the matches is to see these young players because I just need a little. I need to see a little bit more ferocity, no fear, uh, running around, a little bit more attitude. And I think you get that more with the younger players and with the veterans. If you were in Kuman's position, would you kind of just bank on La Masia players and hopefully just ride it out? Especially, you know, you have your contract till the end of the year. And worst case scenario, they fire you in December and you you get a nice payment. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily pick La Masia players just because they're La Masia players. I think some coaches. Um, have been guilty of that in the past at other clubs too um, but I think if, if the players are right if they're performing well then then for sure and you know the best examples of that are Nico and, and Gavi who have come in and done really well but and that doesn't mean you have to go looking for, for other players in the academy to, to bring through just to say that you were playing young players in your time at Barcelona so no I would play the ones that have come through proven themselves a little bit um, which I would say is, is Nico and Gavi, uh, Alejandro Balde, we've not really been able to see enough of him to, to really know yet. Um, what I wouldn't do is is throw those players under the bus when 
they don't do so well, as as was the case, of course, with with Nico this weekend when you know he lost Lamar a little bit for that first goal. But there's no need for Coleman to to single him out in the press conference, um, especially when he's not singling out other players who who also made mistakes in that game. So um, I know there's a saying that you know if you're old enough to play, you're old enough for the criticism, but. Uh, when you're 19, it's a match against Atletico. They're playing so intense, so fast whenever they have the ball. Uh, you can't be throwing players under the bus because I think you're right. He can get some goodwill uh, from Kool-Aid if he plays some La Masia players um, and believes in them. But if he criticises those players, then that's worse than having never picked them at all. For sure. Well, thanks for your time. I know this has been a tricky recording, but... Uh... Look forward to speaking to you more, you know, when, <laughs> when we don't have as many glitches going forward. And we can talk a little bit more about La Liga and Barca. Thanks a lot, Ewan, for your time. No, thanks for having me. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.